Do you dread tax time because you haven't saved enough for taxes? Are you totally confused and lost about your business finances? Do you worry that you'll never be able to retire or save for your kid's college education? If you bury your head in the sand because you think you'll never be a money person, I want to let you in on a huge secret. All you need to manage your private practice finances are a simple series of skills that you can learn. After all, you already did the hard work of graduating from college, becoming a therapist, and starting your private practice. Hi, I'm Lindsay Bonham. I'm a therapist turned money coach and the creator of Money Skills for Therapists. I've helped hundreds of therapists just like you develop peace of mind about their money. I invite you to watch my free masterclass where I teach my four-step framework to get your business finances totally in order. In the masterclass, I cover the three biggest mistakes that therapists make that keep them from getting clarity on their private practice finances, the secret that most accountants don't want you to know, and why working with your mindset and emotions is essential to changing your patterns with money. This masterclass is for therapists and health practitioners who are running or about to start a private practice. It is the first step in learning about my signature course, Money Skills for Therapists. Register today with the link in the show notes to take the first step to go from money confusion, anxiety, and shame to feeling clear and empowered about your money. I look forward to supporting you. For me, emotionally and physically, I needed something different. I would go to work, and I think that's where sometimes that security, you have to question a little bit, because just because it's secure doesn't mean that I'm happy going there, right? Or I feel good physically, emotionally going there. And so it wasn't necessarily about the money, but more about I need to take care of my health, and I need to feel good about the thing that I'm doing. Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question, how can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a lovely guest who I will get to in a minute. But before I do, I wanted to share a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You know, I'm always asking you folks to share your reviews on Apple Podcasts. Um, So I wanted to share one from user Voluptuous Coconut, which is a great uh, screen name. They say, I've really enjoyed this podcast. The guests are super knowledgeable and Lindsay has a lovely way of having conversations that are incredibly validating and supportive. Always look forward to a new episode because I know it's going to be helpful, insightful, and even therapeutic. Such a wonderful little gem of a podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Voluptuous Coconut, for your review. I really appreciate it. So today's guest on the Money Skills for Therapist podcast is Cynthia Adjaman Anane. Cynthia is a therapist, but the way that Cynthia and I actually met is through a non-therapist presence that she has uh, on Instagram, which is let's talk, talk all about it. So it's a channel that she has where she does not wear her therapist hat and just invites folks to have conversations about health and mental health and parenting. Um, And I had a conversation with her a couple months ago about money and just really enjoyed it. So I wanted to bring her on to the podcast to share her with all of you. Today, Cynthia and I talk about the different meanings that money can have. We talk about the relationship between security and freedom. We talk about the bind that folks can find themselves in when they are working for an institution like a hospital or working for someone else and the 
kind of handcuffs of security and thinking about other ways that we can also think about security that might be more aligned with what's actually best for us. And a theme throughout that you're going to hear a lot is intention, really thinking about how to bring intention into your practice and into your relationship with money to make it better, to actually make your private practice better than what you could get working for someone else in a more institutional setting. Here's my conversation with Cynthia. So Cynthia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you. So we connected on Instagram, which I feel like is a sentence I'm saying more and more often (laughs) these days. We definitely did, yes. (laughs) Can you tell folks who are listening about like what you do? Sure. So hi, everybody. My name is Cynthia Atchman, and I'm a licensed therapist in the state of Maryland and D.C., I have a private practice called Conversations Create Change, where we uh, see individuals, families, couples. Uh, We deal with all sorts of issues from anxiety all the way to trauma. A lot of my individual work has to do with couples. So I'm a Gothman Level 3 trained therapist. My passion project right now is definitely couples and working with couples We met through my IG, talk all about it, where I get to kind of have a little bit of a creative space for myself away from work. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's where you can find me. Yes, talk all about it. Yeah. And you host uh, conversations there with kind I do of host a uh, variety of topics. There. Yeah. 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 Anything from, you know, for, with you, I talk to you about money yeah. um, and private practice, uh, but I also talk to other individuals around self-care, anything related to healing. I try to talk all about it because I, I honestly do believe, right? Like my business name is Conversations Create Change. Mm. I like to talk all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything and everything, I feel like as long as we're talking, we're healing, and we're yes. learning something new. Yes. Okay. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna do it now in this space, talking about money. We were planning to have a conversation today, just digging into to money because I think money is so well. I don't think I know money is so personal, right? And what drives us and the meaning of it it varies so much from person. So let's dig into what money has meant for you and its role in your private practice. So that's my first question for you, which is very kind of open, but like. For you, Cynthia, what does money mean to you? You know, that's a a really good question, Lindsay, because for me, money means a few things. The first one that comes to mind is security, right, to some degree, because even going into private practice, part of the reason that I was a little bit hesitant at first is because I was working full time for a great company, great salary, great benefits, and had all the the, the workings that we look for, right, when we're... Uh, going into uh, our careers. And so going into private practice, there was a lot of unknowns, right, around, will I be secure in terms of what if clients don't show up? What if you get cancellations? What if, you know, people don't show up in general? If you don't see clients, you don't get paid, right? So that's the mindset going into it. So there was definitely a lot of hesitation initially, because again, for me, money is related to security. And that's one of the first things. The second one for me, money is uh, freedom, right? Because mm-hmm. it allows you to also have access to things that you normally wouldn't have access to. And so for mm-hmm. um, going into private practice, one of the things that money has allowed me in terms of freedom 
is the freedom to do what I want to do, right? So I don't, I'm not necessarily beholden to anybody. It's my own company. It's my own staff. It's my own uh, time. So it, it definitely allows me the opportunity to have a lot of freedoms around certain things that even doing this, right? Like I'm able to come talk with you yeah. and then right after this, I have a client, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I'm able to kind of schedule my my schedule the way that I want to. And so mm-hmm. that sense of freedom definitely, I think is something that money can buy it for you, but it can give you the opportunities to create it. If that mm. That's a good distinction. Because I think sometimes that we do think that money automatically means a certain thing, like a certain amount of money equals happiness or a certain amount of money equals financial security. So yeah, can you dig into that distinction a little bit? Yeah. So I think there's a, it's about how your intentions with Mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I used to have this family member, she passed away, she was like 99 years old. So Mm -hmm. she lived a really good life. And she would always have this phrase that she would use, if if you have a a million dollars, and you spend a million one, you're broke. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So that that phrase has always stuck with me, because you can have as much access as you want to money but if you're not using it wisely or if you're not being intentional with it it definitely can create some stressors for you right so um, I think you know it's up to you to determine how you move with money or how you use money to benefit the lifestyle that you want to live or the choices that you want to make for business personal life and so forth and so on yeah yeah Well, and that's an interesting too, like thinking about money and security, because security is one of my words too, that I often think of, like, what is money to me? Like, it's security. But as you say, it's very much about how you use money that actually creates security. For sure. And it makes me think about like, when you were talking about moving out of, you know, what can be considered like a golden handcuff space, where you have a job that has all the benefits, and it has the pension, and it has the guaranteed salary, and like, it can feel like that's very safe. But something that occurs to me is like, even in that situation, If you're not using your money strategically to create like other buffers for yourself, like emergency funds and investments, retirement savings, even that could go away because that's not actually yours. Like the job isn't yours. It doesn't belong to you. Somebody could take it from you uh, because it's not actually something that you've created. You don't own it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, you know, that's so interesting because I feel like there's sometimes like a false sense of security, right? When we work for certain companies. So if we're not careful, that security, like you said, can handcuff us, right? And can uh, make us stuck um, and not unwilling to kind of move and be creative and challenge ourselves outside of our comfort zones. Yeah. 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 Something else that sticks out to me as I think about your two words is they are two words that are almost like two different ends of a spectrum in a way they could be thought about, but I can also see how they layer. So I'm curious for you, like, why do you think like security and freedom are your two things or how those things relate for you? You know, I am learning more and more about myself that I'm a more of a free spirit. I don't know. I guess, you know, after a while you start owning who you are and you just start, yes. you know, becoming yes. very comfortable and saying, mm-hmm. this is who I am. And so for me, the free spirit part comes in. In terms of going into private practice, the thought was I would have more time and more, you know, Mm. access to with the family um, and other things that I wanted to do. And so I think it definitely 
it just security it, it has helped ground me in a way right because i i, I am a free spirit <laughs> so i feel like yes. when yes. i can have yeah. freedom and security it grounds me in in some ways yes. right so i feel like those it's bookends of the other but it works together you know what i mean yeah well and like okay so here's the imagery i have for it because this is something that as i said it i was like wait a second no no i have a metaphor literally about this so when i talk about it the way that i see some therapists talk about it when they are in that position right like they are in that secure hospital job and they're like if i just stay for 15 more years i get my pension payout and you're like oh my gosh that's a long time to be committed right so it's like for those folks i think that they see like the security that they have in that job is safe mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and the freedom of private practice is not safe because what makes it free is also the fact that it's like less reliable less predictable right like it's not guaranteed but the way that i've come to experience these things and i think it aligns with what you're saying too is like i see it more as like a tree where it's like the security that we can create for ourselves is the roots, right? It gives us foundation. It's foundation, right? And so it gives us stability and we can build that. Like our own tree uh, can have that security, like the tree that we build with our our spouse and that we have for our family. And from having strong roots and security, you can reach and expand, right? Like the bigger the roots, the bigger the branches, right? And so, but you need that secure foundation. And what we see sometimes is if folks like take big financial risks or big business risks, and they don't build insecurity, yeah, yeah, yeah. then there's the opportunity of of bankruptcy and loss and like all the things that we fear, right? Like the like losing everything when you don't have the roots, then reaching really far does mean that you can topple. But I see this like beautiful kind of interaction and almost like a mirroring between those two things. I love that. That, that makes both of them. Yeah, they're the same thing. Yeah, that resonates with it you. It does. And I love that. It's like a, such a beautiful imagery, right? But yeah. And again, if the foundation is not firm and strong, right, you, you can't branch out as as, as no. much as you want to. And I feel like that's, and going into private practice has definitely allowed me in a lot of ways to be intentional, right? And not always, yeah. I don't always get it right, but definitely be sure, more sure. intentional about how far I want to reach and how, you know, cre- yes. how much freedom yes. I want to kind of give myself, right? There's, there's the uh, beauty in that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious then, like thinking about your step into private practice, because I'm hearing you were in this kind of like traditional secure job and you stepped into private practice. What was the role of money in you deciding to take that step? You know, I don't even know if money was necessarily a factor in terms of like, would I make more or would I make less? Right. Mm -hmm. It was more, again, going back to that sense of freedom and sense Mm of, for me, emotionally and physically, I needed something different. Right. I would Mm -hmm. go to work. And I think that's where sometimes that security, you have to question a little bit, right? Because just because it's secure doesn't mean that I'm happy going there, right? Or I feel good physically, emotionally going there. And so it wasn't necessarily about the money, but more about I need to take care of my health, right? And I need to feel good about the thing that I'm doing. And it also allows me, again, back to the freedom of being able to spend time with family and, you know, do our routines and our schedules the way we wanted to do it. Yes. So, yeah, money wasn't, I mean, obviously it was a factor. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. you know, I, yes. I, I want to be able to have some, you know, sense of, you know, security and financial means coming in. But I think for me, it was really just reflecting on what I needed physically and emotionally, right? And then realizing that, oh, I can do it through private practice. Mm-hmm. And what have you found financially has happened for you since you made that step? 
into private practice? I guess one question is how long ago did you start your practice? Yeah, so my practice, I guess, is like four years old now. Yeah. Um, but before that, I was working for someone else who had their own private practice. So I kind of kind of saw that a little bit. So it was a transition, right? It wasn't like I just yes, quit my job gotcha. and I went. <laughs> so I kind of like transitioned it um, in the way that made sense for me. Um, but Mm-hmm. To be honest, I found out quickly that you can make as much money as you want or as little money as you want, right? It's definitely up to right. you and what your yeah. your needs are, what your you know family budget and income and all of that ratio kind of stuff is. Sure. So it's been money-wise, it's been a, a, a better decision for me going into private practice hmm. than when I wasn't. Right. There's been some growing pains, I think, right? Realizing that you can overwork yourself in private practice if you're not careful. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like year three, right? Last year, I had to be very mindful about, hey, you need to find a balance, right? Hence kind of figuring out what is it that I want to do? How do, how do I want to help my clients the most? But also how can I take care of myself in the meantime? So I've had to scale back a little bit, but I've had yeah. to do that because it was, again, right, thinking about what's best for me. I was kind of prioritizing my health and my um, physical and emotional health, I think has definitely been helpful um, for me. Yes. Yeah. And it makes me think about costs, right? Like I think, as you say, like when you work for yourself, yeah. you are the factor. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you say yes more, if you push more, if you market more, you will see more for clients. Sure. If you modulate or if you don't put yourself out there as much, you're going to see less clients, right? But if you do go to that point of seeing a lot of clients, you're going to hit limits sure. yeah. Yeah. Uh, that are different types of limits, right? That are emotional limits and physical yeah. limits. And you have to figure that um, out for yourself really quickly. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. you're going to be like, private practice sucks. It's not for me. And then that's yes. not the problem, yes. right? The problem is that you're not finding that balance or you're not figuring out where your your happy space is, right? Like you definitely have yeah. to find that. I don't know what the word term I'm looking for, but like your soft spot, right? You have to find that for yourself. Yeah, like you're like sweet, sweet spot. spot. I it. like using the term yeah, sweet yeah, spot yeah. when I talk to folks. Because what I find too, Cynthia, and I'm curious about your experience of this, coming out of a place where working in like more of like an institution, you know, or an agency setting, and then maybe working in a group practice too, where there might be minimums that you need to hit. What I notice with lots of folks is when they go into solo practice and they really just are their own boss, they still treat themselves the way that those institutions or other businesses treated them, right? So it's like, it's almost like wherever you go, there you are, except that now where you are, you've like internalized all these ideas of how much you have to work and like not really valuing your emotional well-being as much as it could be the money or it could just be thinking like, this is what a full day looks like. And so with that sweet spot conversation, like a conversation I have with folks a lot in money skills for therapists is like, I see that come up where I'll say like, okay, so let's just think about in a week, like, what is your sweet spot of sessions? They're like, well, I can do 25. It's like, that's not what I asked you. Right. But we're so conditioned to think about what is my max? Like I say, sweet spot people here, what is the maximum at which you're not technically dying, (laughs) but you will. In two or three years, right? Um, That like to the max. I'm curious about your own experiences with any any of those kinds of like internalized pieces. You know, I think I was lucky in the sense that transitioning into private practice, I was very mindful of what I wanted to do. And so those core beliefs or condition behaviors around like the clientele and different things like that, I think I was very mindful not to get caught up in it. And I think obviously I did the first year because I was like, well, like I'm only one person, right? (laughs) I can't be seeing all of these clients and 
be providing them the service that I want to provide them. And so I had to, again, scale back. But I think I was lucky in the sense that I had a community of other first time private practice owners, right? And so I feel like we did a good job of supporting one another in terms of, oh, oh you're seeing how many clients? <laughs> right and and kind of just talking around like self-care and balancing and you yeah. know family expectations yeah. and different things like that so I think that was helpful for me and then for me as well I think when you have a family right you also have to be thoughtful around those things too so I think that also forced me yes. because again the intention was I was supposed to find a balance right between work and family um, so that I think that also forced me to be very mindful about okay I can see clients up to this time but then I have to transition because the kids have activities or you know they have to have dinner or bedtime or all of that stuff and so I think mm-hmm. there were there were a lot of different factors that helped me to not yeah. get caught up in those institutionalized core beliefs around like numbers and client base and all of that stuff yes 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 yeah and I think you know coming back to a word you've used a few times it sounds like you're very intentional you have to be right like you know why you went into this you kept that you didn't lose that as soon as you got into private practice but you kept that like family and balance and your health as essential I want to say I you know I got caught up in it the first year because it was just exciting right like the endorphins yeah yeah there's that (laughs) over the place but I think yes after the first year was like okay I cannot sustain this, right? I I will burn mm-hmm. out. I will. I you you, I, you start getting resentful, right? And that's not a healthy place to be when you're when you're doing anything, but especially in private practice because you are like literally the one. Yeah, yeah, yes. You're supposed to be holding neutral emotional space for folks, and resentment is not really conducive not to at that. All, so, not at all. Yeah. and then so <laughs> luckily for me, I have a group practice too. And so I think I also had to model that for, you know, uh, some of my staff as well. And they also actually did a really good job modeling for me because I had one clinician who only saw a certain amount of clients, uh, you know, every a certain amount of days just because that's that's what she could sustain. And I, I, I admire that about her. Right. It's like, oh, yeah. OK, <laughs> yes. Yes. I can do that, too. Right. Yes, absolutely. People around you definitely can be helpful with some of those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing lots of like positive influences. Yeah. From peers and even from the folks working for you. Yeah. In your private practice, I'm curious, like, what are some of the best money moves you've made since going into private practice? You know what, I guess it's it's really initially, you know, we've had conversations around insurance versus self pay versus, you know, Mm. some other things. And I think, for me, one of the reasons I wanted to, you know, offer conversations to create change to people, right, was really making it accessible, right. And so I've really had to be careful not to like only go self-pay only right and so I think for me the best money move I guess is like working through the insurance companies for me Mm -hmm. right because it just allows me Mm -hmm. to have more access to clientele and so that's been very helpful for me but I think the other thing that I'm learning as well is one of the things that personally for me that I want to kind of you know shift into is doing like more couple work or doing like workshops and different things like that right for couples not only does it allow me then to have more access to clients in a short period of time right Mm -hmm. but it also allows Mm -hmm. me to kind of like do the work that I want to do effectively in a short period of time without like 
going yeah. months and months and months and months and session after session after session. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the transition that I want to get to. And I'm hoping that that's my next, my next money move in terms of Your being more, again, going back to that word, right. Intentional, right. About service and clients and then also limiting burnout and, you know, balancing family and work yeah. and schedules and different things like that. Yeah. What I hear in that that I really appreciate is like a both and. Yeah. Because I think often those things are seen as kind of opposites where it's like you either do insurance and you just kind of take whatever the insurance companies give you. And like, this is, you know, your, your financial and potentially emotional suffering because they're not always easy to work with is like the cost of being accessible. And it's the cost of justice. Yeah. That's kind of one end of the spectrum. And then the other end is like totally out of pocket or like only like one to many services uh, where there's like no individual access and it's trying to maximize as much as possible. And what I hear here is finding like a balance or a mix yeah. that suits your For needs. For sure. I think so. The other, another thing too, that if I can make this as a money move is hiring the right people <laughs> yeah. for certain things, oh, yeah. right? Um, and I think for me, one of the things I learned very quickly was that billing and dealing mm-hmm. with the insurance companies <laughs> was something that <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to outsource, right? And so I tried it for, you know, the first year or so. And again, it added to my burnout. It added to my feeling of resentment and yeah. just like not liking this at all. And so I think yes. that was definitely um, bringing somebody on board to help with that definitely was a good a good money move, I think, on my part. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that speaks to self-awareness, right? Like I you know, in terms of the question of like, what is the right first mm-hmm, hire? Mm-hmm. I think one of the questions is like, what do you hate the most? Yeah. And you can't outsource everything. Yeah. There's certain things that like where you do have to show up and like mm-hmm, be your own mm-hmm. brand. And like, you can't have people network on your behalf or things like that. But like, I know for me, for instance, like website stuff and tech mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Ugh, right. And so like, that was one of the first hires that I made, right. Is like, outsourcing my website, like paid a chunk of change for somebody to both write my website. Cause we were chatting a bit before this call. I don't really like yeah, writing. It doesn't yeah. come naturally to me. I can be good at it when I'm in the flow, but I'm rarely in the flow and websites. Right. So those were like some of the first big investments I made in my practice and didn't build it myself because I knew for me, the pain of it, <laughs> like the emotional pain and frustration yeah, yeah, yeah. literally wasn't exactly, worth it. Exactly. Um, when I could turn around and see clients and do the work that I loved instead and turn that into, you know, a paycheck for a consultant. Exactly. So yeah, being aware of your own personality, I think goes a long way. And it makes private practice a lot more enjoyable, right? If you're not careful, you can get caught up and like, it's so difficult. And, and yeah, not everybody wants to deal with the insurance companies. I, I get it, right? But there are people who that's their jobs. <laughs> and yeah, they yeah. do it very yeah. well, right? And so yeah, yeah. can that limit you from working with them totally I think it's remembering that there's people out there who like have totally different brains than you (laughs) they like things that you don't like and things that you might find totally overwhelming or defeating they think is a delicious challenge to dig into yeah Yeah. (laughs) so like get those folks on your team (laughs) exactly yeah absolutely well Cynthia thank you so much for joining me today Uh, for folks who are listening if they want to get further into your world can you tell them more about where they can find you and follow you again um, my private practice is uh, called Conversations Create Change 
And uh, that's the same name on the website, conversationscreatechange.com. You can also find me if you're interested in couples work or couples workshops and different things like that on createchangewithcynthia.com. That's all one word, createchangewithcynthia.com. And that's where you can find um, information on the Goffman level, Goffman method therapy, as well as some of the workshops that I provide on there. And yeah, if you want to do just have a consultation or whatever about couples work, hit me up on there. And then if you want to kind of see my fun side, (laughs) (laughs) um, talk all about it at talk underscore all about it. And that's uh, the IG. And we'll put that in the footnotes too. So folks can just uh, click the link from the footnotes to go follow, follow Cynthia for these conversations. And I do really so appreciate that you have your like serious brand, your like therapy brand. (laughs) You're like, this is where I have letters over here. And this is where I just talk about stuff that's important and interesting. And again, so I that's, think that's all a great... about that self-awareness, right? I'm figuring yeah. learning. I need to take care of myself. And this is one of the ways that I do that. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Cynthia. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me. In this conversation with Cynthia, I really loved her emphasis on it's about what you do with money, right? And it's something that I've been thinking about more and more these days is the fact that money is a tool. Money doesn't actually do anything on its own. Money literally just sits there (laughs) unless you do something with it. Um, And so it's really about your intention with money and the actions that you take with it, the way that you actually manage your money and direct your money and turn your money into other things. That is actually what money brings into your life. And any given dollar amount is not going to give you any specific experience of money because it's really how you manage that money, relate to that money, handle that money that gives you the actual experience of money, that gives money meaning. So I loved her emphasis on that today. Really thought-provoking and just loved talking with Cynthia. She has a really lovely presence. So definitely check out her uh, Instagram channel to get more of her in your world. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can do that at money, nuts, and bolts. And if you want to be like voluptuous coconut at the beginning uh, and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate that. It's a really helpful way for folks to find this podcast. Thanks for listening today.